Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Scripture today comes from 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. Now by this we may be sure that we know him, if we obey his commandments. Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not obey his commandments, is a liar. And in such person, the truth does not exist. But whoever obeys his word, truly in this person, the love of God has reached perfection. By this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk just as he walked. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new commandment that is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says, I am in the light, while hating a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light, and in such person there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates another believer is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know the way to go, because the darkness has brought on blindness. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. One of the things I like most about us is that it is a good place, we are a good place, a good church for ministers and pastors to go to church. You make it easy for those of us on staff to attend church here. It's always been the case. You're also a good church for folks who have been in ministry. Perhaps they have retired from ministry, or perhaps they've been wounded in ministry and they end up here, and you are a good church for healing. And You're a good church for young ministers. We have lots of interns around here, as you know. And you're a good place for folks to learn ministry. In fact, uh, next month, a few of us are going to go to Treveca. They would like to kind of contract with us to send us folks now over the summer and then maybe for a semester kind of abroad to kind of do church with us, which is a really cool thing. So thank you for being that kind of a church. And this is what I've been saying to Bethany Vero all week. She is a senior intern for us, one of the student chaplains over at SNU, and is here for her senior year to do church and learn ministry around all of you. And she happens also to be one of Dr. Steve Green's who teaches uh, preaching over at the college. One of his very favorite students says that she is an all-timer. And so she is going to preach for us today. You're in for a treat, and I've been telling her all week, this is a great, easy bunch to, to preach to because they say amen all the time. <laughs> They're all about the big amen, right? But you also, and I've felt it, I know Dr. Green has felt it before, you can kind of feel it when the crowd's rooting for you. So thank you, and be that bunch. Bethany, go ahead and come on up. One other thing about Bethany before she speaks she is one of six people from our entire educational region, that's four, stu- uh, four states, that has been selected to go to India in January for a leadership conference. And she was chosen actually pretty recently, so she's got to come up with $2,500 like that. And you've already come up with a chunk of it. We're asking the district for a chunk of it. And I told her that as her church family, we'd also try to help her come up with some of this. And so we'll have that opportunity later. But I also told her I was going to pray for her right before I turned this whole thing over to her. So let's pray for her now. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for this life. Thank you for all the people who have shaped this voice and this mind and this imagination. And I pray now that this deep sense of peace and calm would come over her and may she know the deepest parts of who she is, that she has something to say to us, something we need to hear, something that you have gifted to her. Thank you, God, for what you continue to do around this place. And we anticipate that this will be another Sunday that you move us toward Christ-likeness. It's in your son's name that we've prayed it. Amen. Let's welcome Bethany Vero. Thank you. Thanks, John. John could tell I was a little nervous when I was up here, so he asked if he could pray for me, so thank you for that. Good morning, everyone. Today is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Let me orient us a bit here as we begin to talk about 1 John, and let me say that this passage is one that was written by a church person for church people. This passage was written to people just like you and me, uh, those who gather as a body of Christ in a corporate setting to worship, to pray, to hear the word of the Lord, to fellowship with one another. This letter that John read to us is for people just like you and me. And early church people would have an understanding that the church, the body of believers, the people of the way, the new age people of God, whatever terminology you choose to describe church people, was an outbreak of the kingdom of God crashing into present reality. Early church people, and I hope that you and I as well, understand that the future that we long and hope for, when all things will be reconciled back to God, when all things will be made right, when justice and mercy will reign, when forgiveness is given freely, when the lion and the lamb will lay together in peace, is here, now, today. The kingdom of God is a reality that you and I can experience and participate in. And it breaks in to our current realities and disrupts the way that we see and engage in the world. The kingdom has come and interrupts our ideas of what power looks like. Now maybe we understand that true power and strength don't always look like a loud, vulgar leader but maybe that it looks more like a young, homeless, Jewish man. The kingdom comes in and interrupts our idea of what it means to be people who care for the poor and marginalized. When we are kingdom people and we have an understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus cares about, the lens that we view the world in is completely different. We now see immigrants and refugees in a new way because we follow a Jesus who has constructed a new reality for us. The kingdom comes, breaks into our lives, and begins to reconstruct how we view the world and our community and ourselves. The kingdom has come. The kingdom is here. But you and I know that we live in a tension that although the kingdom of God is present among us, that we so often find that the ways of the world still have power. 
We see these powers and principalities of the world most clearly when the marginalized and poor are taken advantage of, or when we hear stories of women who have been sexually assaulted, or when we do not listen or take action when people protest police brutality. The powers and principalities are at work when we as church people who are aware of the kingdom of God are complicit and apathetic to letting this hope be known to the world. We live in a tension. And this tension was described most clearly to me just the other day when I was babysitting. I babysit a four-year-old named Austin and a two-year-old named Galilee three days a week, and they are just precious, precious children, and I look forward to hanging out with them, get a break kind of from studies, and I get to go and babysit these kids. And so my routine is to go and pick up Galilee, the two-year-old from school, and then we drive a little bit, and we pick up her brother, Austin. And so Galilee and I are usually early when we're picking up Austin, so we normally park, uh, and we just wait until we can walk up and, and get Austin. So the other day, I had picked up Galilee, and we were driving, and we parked, and we were early, so we just kind of sat in the car, and I unbuckled my seatbelt and turned around, and we were just kind of chatting, as much as you can chat with a two-year-old. And it was a beautiful day, and I had rolled down her window, and she was sitting in her car seat kind of looking out the window, and the sun was shining on her face, and there was a nice breeze, and it was just perfect. It was just beautiful. And she was looking outside, and I would say, Galilee, can you say, hello, sky? And she would say, hello, sky. And I said, could you say, hello, flowers? And she said, hello, flowers. And I said, can you say, hello, trees? And she, in her little two-year-old voice, would say, hello, trees. And it was just the sweetest, most pure kingdom moment of this little girl just appreciating God's creation and us just being together. Um, and I loved it. I loved it. It was so sweet. And so we're sitting there, and Galilee is getting a little restless. And so she reaches into a pocket that is in front of her. She was sitting behind the passenger seat, and there's a pocket on the back of that seat. And so she reaches in and pulls out a poster that was in there, and she unfolds it, and she looks at it, and she says, uh, can you read this to me? What, what does this say? And I, I look at this little girl who is holding this poster, and I read the words that are in big black letters on this poster, and it says, slavery still exists. It was a poster that I had gotten at a Walk for Freedom last year. I walked, uh, I marched with this campaign that was raising awareness and money for anti, the anti-human trafficking campaign. And so I had gotten this poster and I was holding it as I was marching that said slavery still exists. And I had folded, up, folded it up and I had left it in that, in that pocket. And, and it was such a profound moment to be in this kingdom moment with this pure, sweet, perfect, innocent little girl. And then for her, for us to, I mean, the powers just interrupted that moment, that slavery still existed, that we had to confront the idea that we can experience kingdom moments, and yet the powers and principalities are still in such tension in our realities and where we live. So I saw two worlds colliding, the kingdom of God and the powers and principalities 
And I was quickly jolted back into realizing and understanding how people suffer in this world. And so with all of that to say, the question emerges for us this morning is how do we, as the people of God, who are able to embody and participate in the present kingdom of God, and yet we still struggle with the tension and the pushback of the powers and principalities, how do we engage in this world and walk in the light, as 1 John would say? And I am convinced that it all starts in the ways that we engage in relationship with one another here in the local church. If we are people who believe that the kingdom of God is a reality among us, then our actions should align with this confession. And if we confess that we are the new age people of God, then the characteristics of the kingdom should already be present in us here as a community in the church. And then this kingdom lifestyle will pour out into the community, into our lives, into the world, so that maybe little girls will live in a world where they never have to find posters explaining that slavery still exists. Because our capacity to love outside of the church is directly reflected in our capacity to love within the walls of this place. And as we gather as church people here weekly, we are being shaped and molded by our habits and practices. Each Sunday, we respond to the ways in which God has gathered us through worship, through prayer, by hearing the scripture, and we receive communion. And these practices, as we engage in them again and again, become habitual, and they mold us into holy and Christ-like people. And so our fellowship with one another is no different. Our conversations with one another here as we gather are just another practice that has the ability to conform us to be people who, to use the language from 1 John, either walk in the light or walk in the darkness. And our fellowship with one another should be yet another tangible expression of the kingdom of God. And so this makes me wonder if there are people in our very midst who need to be set free. I wonder if there is someone sitting on a pew close to you who is desperate for someone to give them some hope, to be a good neighbor, to embrace them, to look them in the eyes and ask how they truly are, to bring them a meal, to be invited into your home. Are we actively participating in acts of reconciliation here? Are we seeking out those who need encouragement and justice and mercy here? I was talking to my mom the other day and she has been sick for a couple of weeks and hasn't been able to go to church. And she said that she was feeling a little discouraged that no one from her church that she had gone to for 30 years had called or checked up on her to see why she was missing or if she was okay. And then she said she stopped and she felt the spirit convicting her because she couldn't remember the last time that she called and checked up on someone when she noticed they were missing. So it brings the question, how can we ever be people who go and love the other if we are not people who love those sitting on the other side of the room? There are people here who need to be taken care of, 
There are, are people here who get into their cars and after the service, after the service, and drive away from this place heartbroken at what is going on in their world. Because the powers are real, and the powers and principalities affect us, and we need some sort of hope. There are people that need the love of God expressed tangibly to them through your words and through your actions. And I am convinced that when we act in these ways within our own church body, as 1 John urges us to, that we will be molded into holy and Christ-like people and that the kingdom of God will then pour out of this place into our community, into our workplaces, into our schools, and into our world. We practice reconciliation here among brothers and sisters, and then we go out and practice reconciliation with our neighbor and with the world. We practice hospitality here, and then we are sent out to practice hospitality in the world with the stranger and with the immigrant and with the refugee. We give grace to those around us here, and then we are a tangible expression of grace in every other aspect of our life. Do you sense the pattern here? We gather, we practice kingdom characteristics, we are molded into Christ-like people, and then we are sent, and continue to participate in these characteristics so that the kingdom of God is a reality for our neighbors. We gather, we practice, we're sent. We gather, we practice, we are sent. We gather, we practice, we are sent. Until the kingdom of God is a reality for all people in all nations. First John says that we may be sure we know him if we obey his commands. Meaning that the evidence that we are truly walking with the Lord, that we have a close, intimate relationship with the Lord, is expressed in the way that we act, in the way that we speak, and in the way that we fulfill this old and yet new commandment that First John talks about, and that is to love. To love. To practice love. That when you are in doubt, love. When you are in fear, love. When you meet someone for the first time here, love. When you come face to face with an enemy, love. When you meet someone in a socioeconomic class that is different than you, love. When you meet someone of a different sexual identity as you, love. When you have given all that you are and you have nothing left and the powers are weighing on you, love. It is the greatest commandment. It is how to tangibly express our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. It is the way to engage people in this room and outside of this room. It is the way to confront the powers and principalities of this world to love. And when we love, we are people who walk in the light. And when we do not, we walk in the darkness and we will eventually go blind. Blind to the needs of those around us. Blind to the call of God on our lives. Blind to the ways in which the kingdom of God is already present in this world. So choose to love. Always love. 
so that the light may be known, so that hope may be found, and so that the kingdom of God becomes a reality on earth for everyone. And may it start with you and me today in this place. Let's pray. Holy God, we believe that you are risen from the dead. We believe that you are at work among us in our world. We believe that you are present in our current realities and that the kingdom of God is here and that we may participate in it. But Lord, as we live in this tension, as we are aware of the powers and principalities of this world, let us be people who engage in love with one another here in this place with our brothers and sisters so that this may pour out into our community, into the world, and into the lives of others. We love you, Lord, and let us continue to participate in the habits and practices that mold us into holy and Christ-like people. We love you. Amen. And what a perfect way to draw us to the table. If you are helping us today with our Eucharistic moment, would you please come and prepare the table for us? Thank you very much, Bethany. And it is here at this table that we learn, sometimes without our permission, we are being taught to love, to love, to love. Heavenly Father, bless these elements. And with them, God, strengthen us to see you where we perhaps couldn't see you before, hear you where we couldn't hear you before, love like we couldn't have before. May we recognize that as we come to this one table, we do so as different kinds of people, people who aren't like us, people perhaps who don't like us. And so, God, we confess that we need you to do what you do when we come to this table to shape us, to knock off rough edges, to move us toward Christ-likeness, to move us toward this capacity to love. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, to exit your pews to the left, and then to come forward, where you will walk toward someone holding a plate of bread and someone else holding a cup. Come forward with your hands cupped to receive this bit of grace. It's the only way it can be gotten. It is placed like a gift into your hands. You'll approach someone holding a plate of bread. That person will break off a piece, press it into your hands and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Don't eat it just yet, but take that piece of bread, dip it into the cup. When you do, that person will say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And then take and eat. And then if you would, Please go and find a place to pray. Now, some of you will circle right back around, and you'll go right back to your pew, which is perfectly fine. I just hope that you'll pray once you find your seat. You'll pray that God would move you toward love, move you toward the capacity to love in ways that you haven't yet discovered. But perhaps you want to come to one of these side padded altars. If you do, we will assume that you are there for a prayer for healing, and someone will meet you there and anoint you with oil, symbolizing the sticky presence of the Spirit, and we will pray that prayer for healing, whether it's physical healing, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, maybe it's familial healing that you need. We will pray that prayer with you at these side 
padded altars. If you come to one of these front kneeling benches, these mourner's benches, then we won't assume a thing, but we will at some point come and let you know that you aren't alone. We'll touch you on the back, the neck, the shoulder, just to let you know that we are praying along with you. Perhaps you'll want to make a special trip to this place right here where you can dip your fingers into this bowl of water and then remember the moment of your baptism. Perhaps that'll jolt something in you and you'll remember that you too, like we've seen today, have been welcomed into this family of faith with all of its networks and all of its support and all of its nourishment. If you can't come to us, then we will come to you who is eligible to come to this table today. Can I come, John, even if I don't like the person on the other side of the room? Well, you especially need to come to this table today. Can I come if I've had a terrible morning? I've had a bad month. I've had a bad week. Here's the thing. If you understand your need for grace, then this is the perfect place for you. It doesn't matter what you did today, this week, this month. What matters is that there is grace and forgiveness to be found for you here. And we believe that as you participate, God is moving you. God is moving you toward Christ-likeness. And so we would say to all of you who aren't yet qualified, you think, yes, come. Yes, come. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, remember me. And later on, he would take the cup, hold it up before them and say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you drink of it, remember me. Remember me. And now all across the sanctuary, if you would, stand to your feet. Exit your pews to the left. Come forward with your hands cupped to receive these gifts of God for the people of God.